It's not just time to get away. It's time to travel with Anita. From around the world to across Georgia, she covers it all. Now, here's the host of Travel with Anita, Anita Thomas. Hello, 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 and welcome aboard Travel with Anita and Friends. You know the saying goes, spring is in the air. Well, you know, sometimes there can be something new in the air. At least it feels new after years of sheltering in place and staying close to home. And that something in the air is travel is in the air. According to the U.S. Travel, it is uh, expected that 82% of us are going to be out there ready to do some traveling. That's 8 out of 10 Americans plan to travel this year. And they're ready to expand that travel area past just the, you know, down the street and around the block kind of travel, but actually to go across the country and across the ocean. We're just ready. And travel is trending right now. So we're packed and we're ready to go. I know I am. And I'm thinking that you guys are too to our favorite places and those places that we've had on our dream destination list for years. So now is the time to go. And one of those destinations that's always on everyone's list is Greece. And exploring the Greek Isles is something that gets your attention, whether it will be your first trip there or if it's your return trip again and again. I had a chance to talk with Gordon Durker, who is the Vice President of Business Development for North America for our Celestial Cruises. He was born and educated in the Netherlands, but now he's working with this Greek cruise line. And he's enjoying a very extensive career in the travel industry. Now, I started our conversation asking Gordon, how are things looking for cruising this summer, and especially in Greece? First of all, Gordon, thank you so much for joining me today uh, to talk about cruising, and in particular, celestial cruises and going to Greece and just, you know, all of the things around that, because I know my listeners are ready to get back out and about. I've heard them say that they feel like they lost two years, you know, with this whole pandemic thing. So, so they're really ready to go. So with travel on pause for so many of us during the pandemic, what does return to travel and cruising look like in Greece for this coming summer? Yeah, well, thank you, Anita, and I appreciate this opportunity. Um, For us with Greece, you know, being so proactive, uh, we've benefited from the fact that Greece was open already last year uh, in the uh, 2021 season, and we actually sailed during that period. uh, And we're ready to start sailing again, starting in April of this year. And bookings are looking strong. Like you said, there's pent up demand and people are definitely very keen to get out and about. And what better place to go but Greece, the cradle of Western civilization, as you know. And uh, I understand that you have more of a destination focused type cruise line. So can you tell our listeners what that means and what that experience would be like? Yeah, I I would probably want to sort of highlight that we are a little bit different from a standard cruise line. We are a Greek cruise line. So the destination for us is the hero. Uh, We home port out of Athens in Greece, which means that that's where you start and end your voyage. And of course, being a Greek company, we want to show off the destination. And Greece has a lot to offer, as we know, historically, culturally, the the beautiful hospitality of of the people. Uh, And that's something that we have on board as well as, uh, you know, on shore. It's very important for us to show you the Acropolis and to show you the beautiful islands. So you would sail at night and then you know, be in a beautiful spot like Milos or Mykonos or the world-famous Santorini. You have time to explore, and then you'll sail to the next place. And, you know, we, we just 
are, like you said, very port intensive and very focused on the destination. That's really the hero. We have a casino on board, but mm-hmm. if you're in Greece, you know, and you're going to gamble your time away, that it would be a waste. You know, you really want to be immersive and, and explore. Tell me a little bit about some of the excursions that the listeners could have a chance to take part in, you know, when you are in port. Yeah, so we're all inclusive and we offer two excursions included as part of the itinerary. So um, that could be a sightseeing uh, trip to, say, Ephesus, the ancient site there in Turkey, um, or maybe going in roads to a beautiful spot called Lindos, where we uh, you know, have a guided tour. But we also offer the uh, option to upgrade your excursions. And we've just introduced some very exciting themed small group excursions, one of which could be, say, a foodie walking tour that takes you to a variety of restaurants and, and, and food outlets in a beautiful city like Thessaloniki, which is very, very famous for its uh, wonderful Greek food. Greece overall is famous for its food, but Thessaloniki as a destination is even more famous for its wonderful food. Um, you know, and we, we also attract people that are inspired by uh, religious reasons to travel the region. The Bible is basically everywhere. You know, all the stories took place in this region that we sail in. So we get a lot of people that uh, are motivated by that. And we have excursions that are developed, you know, around those expectations. Uh, history, food, um, and also fun. You know, Mykonos has some of the most beautiful beaches on earth. And there's some that just want to lie on the beach for the day. And we can do that as well. On that bucket list that everyone says, you know, they have a bucket list. Definitely, definitely this type cruise is on there. So what is the onboard experience like? Okay, you said casinos. And I know people always think about great food when they're cruising as well. So what other things can we do on board? So we're very excited to have a partnership with uh, a lady that's on PBS, Diane Kuchilis. She she designs and develops some of the menus. So, you know, the Mediterranean kitchen is very famous. And actually, it comes from Greece. That's where it started, the healthy eating. You know, people live on average a lot longer than we do in a lot of other places. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, due to the diet. And we sort of like to present that on board as well. So you can have your steaks. You can have all these other wonderful things. But for the most part, the food is healthy. And very focused on on the region that we sail in. So we have a very close connection to to the Greek kitchen. Um, So that's one of the, you know, we have several restaurants and it's open dining. So it's very casual. The ships are mid-size. So, you know, almost like you're on a yacht, if you like, with about eight, nine hundred fellow travelers and explorers on on the ship. So it's it's intimate. And um, as far as shows that are included as well, we may take you on a mythological sort of exploration um, in a show format, Cirque du Soleil style, if you like. Or maybe you're witnessing a Greek wedding on stage. So you get a bit of an insight what that's all about. So it's it's fun. It's it's uh, low key. It's it's not very stuffy. We're in Greece, you know. We do in the higher end cabins offer concierge service, but I always say they are there to polish your flip flops because it's very casual on board. We're very friendly to singles, so we have a lot of cabins also dedicated to single travelers. Sounds great. Sounds great. But what's new for 2022? I understand you have some new destinations that you're adding. Can you share some of those and some of the itineraries? Yeah, one I kind of already mentioned is the city of Thessaloniki. It's not frequented by a lot of cruise lines. Um, I mean, we're one of the few that will actually be able to dock there because of the size of our vessels and because we have that insider connection, right? We're a Greek cruise line. We speak the language. We know what's kind of in need of becoming famous besides Mykonos and Santorini. We want to take you place. So we're excited to have Thessaloniki, the second largest city of Greece, 
um, a foodie town, like I said, and also a student city, but also historically it has a lot of connections to biblical history as well as, you know, um, Alexander the Great. There's wonderful history to be explored there as well. That sounds really, really great. Um, Tell me a little bit, though, about some of the crew that's on board. How many crew do you have? Because it sounds like it would be a great opportunity also to learn more just from the crew as well. Are you a crew from Greece or do you have crew from around the world? So the, the officers and some of the key staff members would all be, quote unquote, locals. They're Greeks. Um, but we have an international crew. Um, we do source people from a variety of countries, and that makes for a fun, sort of vibrant environment. I mean, the language spoken on board uh, is English. You know, we source over 50% of our guests from the United States. So that's a very important uh, market, as you can imagine. And we need to be able to, to converse. But you may hear some Greek as well. And we will make sure that what you see and what you explore is not going to be all Greek to you. We're going to make it very easy to understand. Yes. <laughs> well, that is the saying, right? Sounds yes. Like it <laughs> but maybe we can uh, you know, learn a little bit of, uh, of the language as well before we come. <laughs> be a good thing to do. Mm-hmm. Now, tell me, though, can people add on like a day or two uh, and stay in Athens before the cruise or after? Do you have some plans like that? Yeah, I mean, the, the cruises tend to start in Piraeus, which is the port town of Athens. Uh, and then you will do your seven, four, three or perhaps two week cruise from there. But Athens itself and the mainland of Greece is, is worth a visit. So we always recommend that you do one or two nights at least in, in Athens itself. And we can book some hotels, sightseeing, transfers to make it all easy uh, and do it all in one go. I'll stop here, take a break, and when I come back, I'll continue my conversation with Gordon. We're on Travel with Anita and Friends. around the Greek islands is top of the list of things that people want to do. The blue waters, the idyllic buildings along the coastline, the scenery is also inviting. And I have the perfect way for you to do just that. Welcome back to Travel with Anita and Friends. I had a chat with Gordon Durker, the Vice President of Business Development for Celestial Cruises. And I'm ready to reserve my cruise. I'm sure that you are too. And here's what Gordon had to say about our next steps. Now, how can people get more information? You mentioned the travel agent. Is that the best way to book or can we book directly with you? Uh, we, we love working with our travel agent friends and we get a lot of bookings from our travel agents. And, you know, it's always good to get some further insights and assistance. And if you don't want to do all the research yourself, please do go to your agents. Uh, but, you know, if you want to research directly and, and book directly, you can do that as well. The uh, celestial.com would be the starting point. Uh, we have a contact center here in North America that you can call toll free. Um, and all that information can be found on our website at celestial.com. I mean, COVID restrictions um, are being lifted. Greece is very proactive and they're in line with the European Union because they're a member, making it much easier for us to travel. And, and every day things are becoming easier. So we do recommend that people obviously visit our website to find out what the latest updates are. But updates are continuously happening as we're coming out of this pandemic after two years. And we're seeing it in pent-up demand. People are booking. So we also recommend that you, if you are looking to go, make your booking soon. 
Absolutely. People are definitely ready to go. But now do you have, because um, I, I like to think that the cruise lines really is a good bubble for people who are still a little concerned about that. Because I know you all have really great mandates that you have set for being tested a certain amount of days or hours or whatnot before. Well, can you share with us some of the mandates that you have for uh, coming on board? Yeah, I mean, we, we, we are members of the uh, Cruise Line International Association, and we're also subject, of course, to rules, regulations in the EU, and indirectly because of our CLIA affiliation, take recommendation from the CDC, even though we're not a U.S. cruise line. Um, but we have at the forefront the need for our guests, as well as the people in the towns, the places that we visit, that everybody is safe, right? That's important. And uh, the cruise industry, I think, has been at the forefront and um, been very proactive in ensuring all the way throughout the pandemic, but even prior, you know, to prevent people from getting ill on board. Because we tend to get the spotlight if something happens. Um, okay. And I, it seems to be a bit unfair because, you know, proportionately, we have a lot less of an in- incident rate than, say, other industries. But yeah, they, they love to put the spotlight on us sometimes. So we are extra, extra careful. So some of the uh, precautions and requirements that we have in place is that you have to be fully vaccinated in order to get on board. And we also, as part of the check-in process, do a rapid test, which is taken care of by us. So that's a double whammy. And then there's opportunities throughout the voyage for you to check your temperature. And then as you disembark, there's another rapid test that we take before you perhaps head home um, to dream about all the beautiful stuff that you saw. But uh, the website is uh, celestial.com, and we purposely misspell celestial with a Y. That's a marketing gimmick. So if you are Googling us, you will find us if you spell it properly, but it's celestial.com with a Y. And yeah, the option is to click and book, and of course, to contact your local travel agent. We are highly recommended that you do because they can help you with the airfare, insurance, and all those other wonderful things as well. And do you have a favorite routing? Um, the most popular voyage that we have is a seven night and it's called idyllic Aegean itinerary. It covers all the highlights, but we also take you to some of the lesser known places that are equally, I think, deserving of being famous like Mykonos and Santorini islands like Milos, uh, Rhodes, and of course the new addition Thessaloniki, but we have voyages that take you through Egypt to Israel, to Cyprus. Uh, we have voyages that take you to Istanbul as well in Turkey. there's a lot of good stuff to choose from. And uh, yeah, we would love to see your listeners join us either this or next year. Uh, We sail practically year round. So uh, there's always an option available. Thank you so much for sharing all of this great information. We look forward to joining you on one of the cruises. Are you ready for a cruise on Celestial Cruises? Visit their website, celestialcruises.com. And that's spell C-E-L-E-S-T-Y-A-L cruises.com. And maybe I'll see you there, cruising the beautiful destination like the Greek Isles. Now, of course, if we're doing that, that means we also want to get those good photographs. Now, do you have the photographic skills in order to do just that? You don't want to return home with disappointing photos. I know I don't. And if you're like me, you may wonder, how do travel photographers capture the scenes and make the dream destinations like Greece come alive? Well, I asked my friend, Ellen Clark, who is a fun-loving travel photographer who has won numerous photography awards, including the Society of American Travel Writers Photographer of the Year 
two times. Her photographs have been seen in publications of all kinds. But before I get her to tell us about the tips, I also ask her to tell us a little bit about herself, like how she got started. Maybe we can follow in her path. Um, I had a lot of years of being a graphic artist, and I worked for magazines mostly, Um, a lot of automotive magazines, actually. Good thing I like cars. After a while, I got kind of bored with doing that, and I thought, well, you know what? I'll take a um, course in photography. I took a 33-unit course with the local junior college, which is extremely good. I mean, they really have... My husband used to laugh. He said, you've gotten a BA, an AMA, and now you're getting your AA. But it really wasn't. (laughs) It was really just photography. And what I learned from that was that there was no way that I could be a photography assistant. You know, there were these young kids in there and they were, you know, going to be, you know, assistant to some famous photographer. And I thought, well, that's not going to work for me. So I thought, well, I'll just be a travel photographer, thought I. <laughs> and somebody gave me the the truth of the matter was they said, you know, everybody wants to be a travel photographer. I went, oh, really? And uh, they said, but if you can learn, you know, if you can write something to go with it, you'll have a better chance of selling your photographs. So I took a couple of nonfiction writing classes they were right because um, I think a couple of my early stories were taken not because of the story, but because of the photos. So that's how I got started. And also <laughs> back in the day, I don't know how much they do it now, but there were a lot of uh, what they called press trips, which meant that somebody would see your work somewhere and say, we want you to go to Thailand for 10 days. I mean, oh, okay. I think it's harder harder to get those. So, you know, you have to send yourself to places. Uh, yeah, exactly. Or, you know, it's just a lot of pitching nowadays, too, uh-huh. uh, with these media marketplaces and things like that. We have the opportunity to go and meet the various brands and destinations. But it's a lot of competition, as you said. <laughs> yeah, no question. You got to well, like it. Well, yeah, you definitely have to. You definitely, you, you've got to like all sides of it. It's not just about the travel because actually right. when you're out there working, I mean, you are working. So you get a chance to see a lot of fun places, but you also have to remember that you are definitely on duty. <laughs> That's right. You're on the spot. And I can remember thinking, I, I went to Korea one time and I remember thinking, the minute I get off this plane, I'm going to be running. And I was for like 10 days. I mean, I didn't have a minute to, you know, to take a breath almost. So you really <laughs> have to be prepared. Absolutely. And one of the things that I really like about Ellen is she is always out there getting those pictures from Telluride to Timbuktu. She goes searching for images that capture that special sense of place And her work, as I mentioned, has appeared in magazines, newspapers, books, on calendars, websites, greeting cards, postcards, and even brochures. She's all over the place. That's what I love about her and her photography. Now, that's not all. I have more with Ellen. And when I come back here on Travel with Anita and Friends, I will have her tell us a little bit more about how she got started and how she takes those wonderful photographs here on Travel with Anita and Friends. your photography skills? Are you capturing everything you want to keep the memories 
from your vacation alive through the years? Well, I have answers here on Travel with Anita and Friends. Welcome back. I want to continue my conversation with my dear friend, Ellen Clark, who is an award-winning travel photographer who shares her path to becoming a professional travel photographer with me. So did you grow up around photographers? Well, I have sort of, my father used to have a photography studio back in the day, and he was an architect, but he was also, in, you know, dabbled in photography. And, but, you know, I started out with a brownie box, whatever those things were. And um, it wasn't really terrible. I took a couple of photography classes. I was an art major in college, oh. and I took a couple of photography classes. And I kind of liked it. And then I went to Europe the first time when I was 21, right after I graduated. Couldn't get out of town fast <laughs> enough. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, I think that kind of did it. I remember when I took my, my pictures back to the to have them develop. I mean, this point we were, you know, in, in regular, you know, picture pictures. I mean, as opposed to slides or anything like that. And I remember the guy at the ph- photography store saying, you know, you really have some nice shots here. <laughs> he sounds so amazed. Oh. And the, so that kind of encouraged me. I thought, oh, that's nice. And um, so, yeah, and I wasn't a graphic artist, so it wasn't like it was completely foreign, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, how did you get so good with taking photos? Because your photos really, really capture a story. I mean, your your photographs really, really bring things to life. It makes you really want to step into the photograph. So how how did you get so good? (laughs) (laughs) That's very nice of you to say. Um, well, I have to say that I think I do have a little bit of a graphic eye. I mean, I did start out in the art field. You know, I was an art major. I was never any great painter, but I loved doing it. And I think with photographs, you know, I, I say to people that are just starting, if you can find a, a basic composition class at your local junior college, take it. Because it does give you the idea of where to place things and make it, you make the picture look uh, more special and not like just everybody else's picture. I mean, I know anybody with a cell phone now is a photographer, but (laughs) I I do think that just a basic design class, if you had no other, you know, if you were a, say, you know, a business major or economics major or whatever, just a basic design class really helps. And I like stuff that's kind of quirky, (laughs) is is fairly obvious (laughs) if you look at my work. I like, and I like kind of wonky shots upon occasion. I mean, you don't have to take everything just straight up with everything, you know, where everything matches the straight lines. You don't, you know. And I like every now and then you see something kind of crazy, some kind of crazy sign or something, and just tip the camera a little bit. Try it, you know. Mm-hmm. And if you don't like it, well, you know, that's <laughs> fine, too. The other that's- thing I like is I like wide angle because it gives you kind of a overall different kind of picture than, than a close-up. I'm not that crazy about, you know, I mean, I for a portrait, of course, I understand, but but for, right. for shots in general, I kind of like getting the, you know, the whole kind of the whole scene in. 
But now tell me this, though, because, you know, there's so much talk nowadays about, you know, being respectful of people and cultures and sacred places and all of that. How do you handle taking photos in the cultural or those kind of traditional sacred places of people or, or even things? Um, well, I don't have so much trouble with the things, but with people, what I find is if you're good natured and you come up with a smile and you kind of I try to kind of tease them a little bit and say, oh, you know, you've got such beautiful blue eyes and some old guy, you know, kind of laugh and um, you kind of schmooze them up a little bit and, and make them feel comfortable. And if somebody says they don't want their t- picture taken, guess what? I don't take it because yeah. you're going to get a horrible picture anyhow. You know, you mm-hmm. want to have agreeable subjects. And uh, and sometimes you can get a, a really good shot, say, if somebody behind, say, if there's a, an old granny who's walking her, her grandchild and you're getting it from behind, of course, you don't have to ask. And, you know, you can frequently get very good pictures that way. But I, I think basically, like if I go into a shop or something, and you can tell if somebody is kind of res- responsive to your taking a picture right. or if they really don't want you taking a picture. We really don't want you taking a picture. Don't bother. Right. That's true. That's true. Because it really is all about just being respectful of, of you know, of the situation. Yeah. Absolutely. But now, do you have a favorite country where you have taken photos, a um, place where, you know, you really felt that you connected with the people and with, you know, with all the things that were there for you to be inspired by? Any favorite cities or countries? Oh, gosh. You know, um, I always say the next one I'm going to, but that's not really fair. Um, I really, really like Mongolia. Um, I went, oh, gosh. I think it's almost not 20 years ago, but probably about 17 years. And I really did. I don't know what it's like now, but when I went, I, I just really, that intrigued me. There was something about getting me who doesn't like landscapes, mind you, getting in a, in some old, which it was an old Russian beat up vehicle and just taking off across the step. I mean, there's no road, there's no nothing. I mean, you know, you the guy, the driver had to know where he was going because, I mean, there was certainly no signpost. And <laughs> it was just like so, there was so much of it, sort of. I don't know. It just got to me. I really, really like that country. And uh, I did get very, you know, shots I was really happy with. So, Ellen is sharing her story. And when we come back, I'll ask her for a few tips and tricks for capturing the moment. You're on Travel with Anita and Friends. Have you ever had a trip ruined by something small that you could have done differently? Well, for me, the answer is yes. Welcome back to Travel with Anita and Friends. Now, I always uh, have been told by my grandmother and my mother that it's all in the details, the small things that matter. And that applies to things when traveling, too. Now, my friend Ellen Clark, who is a professional travel photographer, shares some of her tips for avoiding those oh-no's, those things where you think, how did I forget that? Or what was I thinking? And she starts with her tips 
for one travel item that we may not think about, but obviously we should. You need, you're going to need a, a lot of times a converter. Yeah. And what I found with that was a couple of times I forgot them. If you go to a hotel, if you're staying in a hotel, ask them if they usually they have a whole drawer full of them that people have left. And mm-hmm. so you can get one. And I've had that happen a couple of times. One time in Santorini, she opened this drawer. And there was this huge drawer full of chart, you know, uh, converters. <laughs> she said, take your pick. <laughs> Yeah, so our, our luck can be someone else's uh, uh, unluckiness, I guess you might say. Because exactly. they, they left them, but, but then we can use them. <laughs> Isn't that funny? But yeah, so that's a really, my next question was going to be, what are some tips for, you know, for the listeners? But that starts us off with a really good tip, the one you just gave. So what are some of the tips you have for vacation <laughs> photographers wanting to catch well, you, food? You and I laughed about this. I took this selfie of me in the in the ladies' room at Ground Zero Jazz Club in Mississippi, which is completely graffitied. <laughs> I mean, completely graffitied and has a mirror so you could take yourself. So I now that at, since that incident, and I did have my camera with me, amazingly enough, always take your camera to the ladies' room. You never know. <laughs> That's a good point because I've seen some ladies' rooms. When I walk in, I'm like, "Oh my goodness, well, let me check again. Where where am I?" Because it's so <laughs> fancy, or you know, there's something unique in there. So that's a really good tip because we don't usually think about taking our phones to the to the restroom. Take make sure your batteries are charged. You don't want to get out there in the middle of you know some hike and find out that you're you've got only an inch left on your battery. Yeah. You know. And and take a take a spare if you can, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, that's because the battery gives out your SOL. I mean, you know, there's no doubt. So yeah, and, and especially if you're taking video too, I would think because uh, oh yeah, the cell phones now takes really take really good uh, videos. So videos really chew up quite a bit of your batteries. So well, okay. So that's for the that's for the regular folks like me who are out on vacation wanting to take pictures. But what about aspiring photographers who are just starting out and really wanting to perfect their skills and learn more about techniques, equipment, gear? You know, I would say if you can find good classes that will teach you more about, oh, it, it could even be um, Photoshop and Lightroom and the ways ways to uh, deal with your photos once you get them home. As I say, I mean, most photographers, if, you know, well, my main, my main one is if you're just starting out and you're not that confident, take, take design 101, um, because that, even though it sounds silly, or you can take a basic photography uh, class at a junior college or someplace, if there's any place near you, just to get the basics down. But if you're past that, then I think there were I I was searching around for a while for Lightroom seminar you know seminars people dealing with Lightroom people dealing with Photoshop because that stuff is you know you can do a lot of things I'm not saying you should have a lousy picture and then you know immediately put it <laughs> in Photoshop but you can do a lot of things to really enhance your your work um, but you need to know how to do it can be kind of complicated. But now let me ask you this, uh, Alan. So what is an accomplished photographer? I mean, you know, how does someone know that they're there? 
you know, how, that they've reached the goal of being a good photographer. I, you know, beats me. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I really, I really don't know. I mean, some people are really dedicated. I see, see some of these people and I think, oh my God, their work is just gorgeous. Well, they're just absolutely dedicated. They're on it all the time. They have almost, you know, it's their one huge major you know, reason for being almost. Right. And there are people that kind of skirt it and, uh, you know, kind of play around with it. I mean, I'm now more at the play around with it stage, really. I mean, I've done all the other stuff. Now I can kind of do it for fun. I don't, you know, I don't have to feel real pressured. But, you know, I also think, too, that, I mean, in life, we're just, I like to think that we're always students. We're always learning something new or, finding a new way to do something or trying something new. So we're, we're kind of always learning, but, uh, but certainly I guess you can kind of know, you have, you have a sense of, of knowing that you're, you're reaching your goals there. So, well, so- I have to tell you that my, I am recently taking an iPhone class online and it's amazing what you didn't know about your iPhone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And see, those are good ones also, too, for, for the vacation photographer, you know, someone like, like myself and probably some of the listeners that, you know, you can take those classes. There's a lot of information online uh, yeah. to, to help you with, with getting better with, with your iPhone or with your cell phone. But now, what would you say um, makes a photo move from it's okay to it's a great photo? That I can tell if it, it just has that, it just attracts... Now, it might attract my eye and not yours or the person down the street. But for me, it's the ones that I go, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. got it. And yeah. that doesn't happen that often, I'll tell you truthfully. I mean, I like some of mine. and I, But, you know, it's, it's hard to get a really wow shot. And I was going to say, too, I, I think, you know, it's, it's like with so many things. You know, when something, you know, kind of just resonates with you. And it's maybe a feeling you get or a memory it brings up or, you know, there's so many things that can go on that makes it a special photo, I would think, for, you know, for someone seeing it. Absolutely. But now what you mentioned already, you know, Lightroom and some things like that. Um, are there any apps or anything like that that you can recommend, especially for uh, for cell phones? I know there's so many out there. Well, there are a lot. Well, I have to say the ultimate, I think, app for cell phone is Snapseed. And I don't know. I've had it for so long. I don't know if they charge. If they do, it's not much. But Snapseed, I would say, is is the main one. You can do a whole heck of a lot with Who's a that? with the uh huh. Even even my even my, uh, my iPhone photo class goes for that. Oh wow! Snapseed. But well, that's the one I would get first. I think that's a good recommendation because that one was recommended to me really just a couple of months ago. I wasn't even aware of it. I said about maybe six months ago and I've been using it and you're right. It, it's a good one. It does so many things and it's so easy as well. Yeah, Very easy. But now you've shared so many great stories and I really loved our conversation. So let me ask you this. It's more of a philosophical kind of question, I guess, but what does photography mean to you? Well, you know, um, for me, it brightens my day. It really does. If I go out, even with just my cell phone, which I and just kind of walk the neighborhoods and take, you know, oddball pictures, most of which I dump. I mean, you know, 
but yeah, it it's it sort of sings to me, and it's it's my way of getting my creative juices going. I mean, there was a time when I used to spend hours and hours doing paintings. I couldn't do what I used to be able to do paint wise, so it's a good thing that I switched to photography because that you can do, and you and what's easy is you can go out for a walk and take your cell phone and never know you might get something really good. Exactly. It's like you have that camera right there in your pocket. Now visit Ellen's website, ellenclarktravel.com, and take a look at her photos. You will be simply amazed. I promise you that. And if you see something you like, send her an email because she does sell her photos, not online, but you can reach out to her. And maybe she has something there that you might want to purchase. Now, today's show has you all set for cruising around the Greek Isles. I've given you, as well as Ellen has given you, a lot of tips for capturing all of those photos when you're traveling, whether it's to the Greek Isles or on your vacation, you know, just around the state here. So great tips that we've given you. Now, follow me on Facebook at Travel with Anita and on Instagram at Anita and Friends. And remember that Anita has two ends in it. So again, that's on Facebook, Travel with Anita. And on Instagram, it's it's Anita and Friends. And remember those two ends. So thanks for joining me today. I'll be back in two weeks with more great destinations here on Travel with Anita and Friends. Bye-bye.